0: Hello, this is Roshan Chandy here. Um, You know, this is my latest podcast. This is a new podcast for me. It's something that um, I've been away from for quite a long time. I had a previous podcast called uh, What You've Been Watching, which was specifically a kind of 15 to 30 minutes show about, uh, in in which I asked guests what they've been watching and asked guests for their kind of listening and for for their listener recommendations when it came to films. Uh, but this is another podcast. This podcast is now called Chandy Culture. Um, and it's named after me because I am, you know, Roshan Chandy and I'm a freelance film critic. I have my own website at Um, And this is, I, I wanted this to be much more guest focused as a podcast, basically. I wanted this to be a podcast about um, the guests really choosing a topic to discuss and, and letting them have the stage, essentially, and being able to discuss uh any anything of their choice um and it's going to be much less regular than the last podcast the last podcast i did one every week this is going to be a monthly podcast but i feel like it's much more focused on particular topics Rather, i didn't really want to repeat myself for example when i was talking about um specifically well i mean specifically because i write reviews on my sites and part of my previous podcast what you've been watching was about uh repeat was 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 like spoken reviews of films i'd already reviewed on my site so i, I thought i want to do something a bit different i don't want to sort of repeat myself so basically each month what will happen is we'll have a new guest and someone talking about um you know a topic of their choice they're completely leading the discussion and we'll just take it from there and uh, for my first guest today I've got a former uh, you know guest on my previous spot a former guest on what you've been watching I've got my uh, my my good friend and aspiring journalist uh, Kieran Burt. Hello Kieran. Hi great to be here. Yeah and it's really good to have you as well um, but yeah I mean so yeah I, I've asked Kieran to basically come on today because we wanted to talk about a number he's got lots to talk about and uh he's he's specifically uh you know he has got a lot to talk about and, and 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 we're gonna go into that but like Kieran first tell us uh like what, what do you
1: do for a living basically just tell us a little bit about yourself so I'm currently a third year student at Nottingham Trent University. and um, so I'm a full-time student. Um I plan to do a master's in magazine journalism after I finish my third year um because I want to uh, Go on to be a film critic, write analytical pieces about film, and um, just write as much as possible, basically. So. Yeah.
0: Well, that sounds really good, and and yeah, and and you know, so. You know, obviously, film criticism is something that's really um, important to you. It certainly is for me as well, basically, you know, being a film critic myself, basically, and everything that I've, I've do, done my website and contributing to other publications. You write for Left Line, for example, magazine, basically, which yes. I've written for in the past as well. Um, And so, first of all, I... We had a bit of a discussion shortly before you coming on the podcast, basically. Um, We had a discussion about what we might talk about on this podcast. And I asked you specifically what you had seen really. And you told me you'd seen um, Spider-Man No Way Home. So before I go into the kind of big questions about the film itself, basically, because I I have to say, by the way, it was a really terrific film. I mean, it it did everything I wanted from a Spider-Man. I think we can, this just, I should warn the listeners now, um, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. So if you don't haven't seen Spider-Man No Were Home, I was just turning off right now. Um, but if you have seen it, then this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. So before I go into uh, the kind of questions about Spider-Man No Were Home, just tell me your sort of initial thoughts on it.
1: So it lived up to all the hype and more that was created about um, the film about all the plot leaks and all the you know the lateness of the trailer, um, and that really worked in its favor in the end, I guess. Um, because yeah, they managed to create a film that had so much in it, um, that largely that worked, um, and was funny in places to watch, emotional in other places, um, so yeah. It was was a really good Marvel film
0: and a really good Spider-Man film. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely terrific. I, I mean, it was everything I wanted from what some people might describe as a Spider-Man multiverse live-action movie, basically, you know, which it was very much. It was that whole idea of different universes coming together and being in the same um, shared experience, basically. And I, I, and I think it's quite incredible that this film has now happened because... I don't think anyone really, we've obviously had the Avengers, we've had the Justice League, you know, we've had the idea of superheroes come together from the same universes in the same film. But the idea of superheroes from completely different franchises or characters from completely different movie franchises and starring in the same movie, um, that's something we hadn't seen before. So I think it's, it's quite revolutionary on that front, basically. Um, So, I mean, we all know basically what happens now. Those who've watched as I said, if if you haven't seen No Home, I suggest you turn off now because this is a spoiler-filled chat. Um, Andrew Garfield, Tony Maguire turn up midway through the film. Did you scream when Andrew Garfield and Tony Maguire turned up? Because when I went to see this film, it was a... Unlike any experience that I've seen before, the crowd were completely... Going crazy, and they were completely discarding any kind of cinematic code of conduct as such. Basically, they were just shouting, they were screaming, they were they were they were they were, they were, they were just guffawing. You know, they were just completely falling all over the place with excitement when Tom Maguire and Andrew Garfield specifically ke- t- came through the portal and turned up. Basically, so did you share that? Or did you scream when Andrew Garfield and Tom McGuire turned up in, in, in the middle of the
1: film? So. So I was seeing it in a packed packed cinema, and when that scene came on where Andrew Garfield walks through the portal, uh, again it was very similar in, in your in your screening of everyone went wild. It was mostly clapping, uh, so we all clapped. Uh, I participated in that clapping as well. Um, I was laughing at all, like the really that's one of our, like the film moments of. Everyone's clapping, everyone's, you know, going wild, and like I say, completely throwing out any norm or anything in the cinema. But I feel like it's one of them, like, film moments where it's like watching it in the cinema was really beneficial to it. Because if you were watching it at home, you you probably wouldn't sit in the living room clapping on your own. But because everyone was in that room together... So, yeah, I and... Everyone else in the cinema went absolutely wild. Yeah, I mean
0: that was obviously what happened with me. Basically, I mean it was exactly the same. Basically, and um, you've actually answered my next question, basically, which was specifically what yeah. was the ne- what was the reaction in the cinema like to their return? I think we've you know very much covered that, and we I think we both had the same experience basically at the yeah. screenings we um, So, what was your favourite moment? You'd say in No Home? Um, I think
1: when. When they're working in the in the lab, um all three of them are working in the lab, sort of devising what are they going to do to get um all the villains in one place and what they're gonna to do to get them back. Um so that was my favorite I've they're all together as well. Yeah. Um it, that so that that was my favorite moment in the film, those two moments.
0: Yeah, well, um, that, those were great
1: moments. So I I th- I think so as well.
0: Um this is a bit of a favouritist kind of question to be honest, basically, but um out of Tom Holland, Tony Maguire, Andrew Garfield, who is your favorite Spider-Man? Tom Maguire, I think. McGuire, I think. Mm. Can I just say you can also include Non live action Spider Verse Spider Man, you know, uh, you know people as yeah. well, basically. So saying, but you can include people from Into the Spider Verse if you want, basically. I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah. But go on, yeah. What is it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Tobey Maguire as Spider Man, uh, but I think Tom Holland as Peter Parker.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So like, no, no love for Andrew Garfield then?
1: <laughs> no, I'm sorry, and I feel like I'm gonna get come after this because after the film, Andrew Garfield Andrew Garfield was the one uh, for everyone else. Yeah,
0: well he was for me. I mean I, I, I feel like I feel terribly sort of like I, oh I told you so basically you know I feel terribly smug basically for example because of the fact that I've always thought Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man basically ever since seeing The Amazing Spider-Man which is actually ten years old this year it came out in twenty twelve basically and I, I I saw that in the cinema basically at the age of fifteen for example basically and I I thought that that was um, you know and and I, and and and, and, I, and and immediately I thought that yeah Andrew Garfield he's great I mean he's everything I want from a Spider-Man and from a Pete sparky he's sort of nerdy he's He's socially awkward. He very much plays it like kind of social outcast rather than a kind of cartoonish nerd like we see in um, Tom Maguire, for example, in the the original. So I was never a big fan of Tony Maguire, for example. But um, it's great that people are finally seem to be agreeing with me, for example, about Andrew Garfield and how great he actually is as an actor. I mean, we're having a sort of garthonaissance, as you could call it. yes. At the moment, because he's obviously been in Tick-Tick, Boom, and then he's been yeah, the the I, I, yeah, Eyes yeah, of Tammy Faye, for example, he's in, basically, and, and he's been Oscar nominated, basically, for his performance in Tick-Tick, Boom, for example. um So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Garfield, basically, yeah. Um, So do you think this movie has set the standard for sort of future multiverse movies? Because next year, for this, late this year, of course, we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming out, basically. Um, Do you think we're going to see more of these kind of movies, for example, where different franchises combine to star in the same movie? Yes.
1: Um, uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange looks amazing. It looks directed by Sam Raimi as well, um, of the room Spider-Man. Um, but I think Doctor Strange is sort of again leaning a bit more into the horror elements of it whereas Spider-Man No Way Home was a bit lighter you know it's a school period, we're going to have a bit of fun with the concept now let's do a sort of yeah not a dark a, a, a darker take like a yeah, I mean, like yeah. horror. Uh, yeah, well, like, Sam
0: Raimi's, that's what Sam Raimi's roots are, you know, basically, because he started off making the Evil Dead films, for example, basically. I yeah. Think that. So, yeah, I know what you mean, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, so, I mean, do you think we're going to see, for example, like a movie in the future, for example, where Batman, Superman and Spider-Man, for example, combine the same movie, even, even though they're from different comic books, basically, you know, different comic book creations,
1: um, I, I would, wow, <laughs> potentially, yes. If, I think depending on, because DC are going to do their own multiverse um, film with Flashpoint, um, which yeah. off, I believe got played a, a week ago or so, again. Um, so I think if that, their version kind of fails a bit, um, they might feel... I feel like Sony did when they teamed up with Marvel. Of you know, we need Marvel's help because we we want to start our own franchise, but it's not going anywhere. It's not picking up off the ground. Yeah. But I think if DC starts to become a bit desperate in a sense, uh, possibly. But I think if DC continue to succeed, um, or at least not fail badly, then I think they'll. Say no, we don't. We don't want to do that. It's not in our. It's not in our financial interests, which yeah. I think for us as fans would be a shame because everyone would want to see um, the Justice League via, via the Avengers. Absolutely. For yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, possibly, maybe way off into the future. But, yeah. I mean, that very much links into my
0: next question, basically, because I, I, I'll give it a, a bit of background to this question. I think there is a slight danger. I mean, I, I I love Nowhere Home. I love the idea of these characters interacting in the same universe. But I think there is a bit of a danger that there's got to be a line, I think, drawn somewhere, basically, about how far you can retake really concepts, for example, I think, basically. And I think that, for example, are we going to have a situation where, I, I don't know, but we, you know you know think about the spy films for example you think about james bond basically you think about jason yeah. Bourne, mission apostle films are we going to have crossovers there basically are we it's i, I find it so sort of, i i think that it's one of those things basically that i think that solo there's something very refreshing and authentic i think about solo projects and solo franchises on their own and i think on what i slightly worry about is this sort of idea that if we're going to have multiverses of all different franchises coming together essentially um are we just going whether solo people people will be just craving a kind of solo super film basically and and um, or, or solo franchise movie and 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 the whole sort of rules basically and conventions of the kind of franchise are going to be completely disregarded basically so do you think there's a sort of danger in the fact that we've got these multiverse movies coming out now is there a danger that solo superhero films will die out and be replaced by multiverse movies
1: so i think i think there's a slight danger in the sense that concept will be come really overused like for example like Spider-Man Far From Home wasn't the first multiverse concept. Okay, it was the first in bringing multiple studios together. Yeah. But in terms of like the Loki season, for example, that had an episode where we met four or five different Lokis. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The the Marvel What If TV series was all about the multiverse uh, and different realities separate from Marvel. Then again, we've got Doctor Strange uh, coming up. Then there's Loki Season 2 coming up. Then there's the Flash, a Flashpoint film uh, for DC's multiverse. And yeah. they're, they're a bit late to the party with that, considering how long Flash has been in development. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, yeah, I think the concept has the potential to die out even more. Sorry, sorry get tiring. However, I don't think solo and superhero films will die out um, because films like The Batman have been doing incredibly well at the box office, for example, and still remain incredibly profitable. So there might be a danger of oversaturation, yes, but I don't think they'll completely replace solo films. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to pick up on a
0: word you said that you said you, you well, you mentioned the Marvel series, what if basically, and I think that question of what if is absolutely the heart of every one of these multiverse movies basically because it's that kind of whole idea of different universes coming together basically. And like, what if, for example, we could have uh three different Spider Man in one film basically, you know, and and and, and I think that's really the central idea of all these kind of multiverse movies to have you know, it, it's a kind of big, what if we could, we, we could combine different franchises, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. A- and well, yeah, I mean, I really liked Spider-Man No More home home um, you know, and, and, and I thought it was absolutely terrific, um, you know, and, and yeah, if you haven't seen it, please go and see it. I mean, I'm sure it's still playing in most cinemas, but I mean, it's been playing for months and months. I think it's going to go on right until Easter, to be honest, basically, It was out on Christmas, basically. Um, so one of you're obviously a, uh, you know you 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 study politics at university right basically yes and uh you know you i I, i've read lots of your work for example basically in terms of read lots of your um writing specifically political opinion writing from what i've read um and you've got a very good eye for that um for like political commentating from what i've read basically you. you know um so and i think that um you mentioned earlier that we talked a little bit shortly before recording this podcast, basically, we talked a little bit about one of your dissertations, which was to write about political themes in Star Wars films in particular. Uh, just for the viewers, I mean, for the listeners, we should say, um, just just sort of shine a light on what do you think are the core political themes evident in the Star Wars films?
1: Right. So my dissertation is about looking at... Um, not Star Wars films, also Star Wars TV. Yes. Um. So, in in the films, for example, it's you know it's very evident of how the Empire was influenced by evil empires, either the British Empire. Yes. Into the rebel rebels, um, or people few people have taken it. The Nazis, the, you know, World War II, you know, there are obvious themes there. Um, but looking to Star Wars television, um, some of the series, so they've done several animated shows. Yes. So, for example, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Bad Batch and Star Wars Rebels. Yes. And all of those contain a lot of political themes in them uh, some of them have very politically orientated episodes where it's senate debates um about military funding yes um however you know those are obviously slightly slightly boring because what's you know that's something i'm talking isn't really great um however they take themes from occupation there is a lot of uh, torture um in in them and, uh, taking <laughs> yeah. one of the best examples though is in the opening of one of the episodes of the bad batch um they use so there's a protest going on sure. and the empire call in tanks or the star wars covenant of tanks to deal with the protest yes and watching that it's very reminiscent and very inspired by things like Tiananmen Square, where tanks were called in to deal with protests, uh, about like the Hungary 1956 uprising, sure. where again tanks were sent in to deal with protesters. Um, you know, like there are various examples of people collaborating within Star Wars as well, um, in, in the animated shows, so. A lot of my dissertation is unpacking those themes, and like in so there's a theory called uh, intertextuality that I'm using, and that's basically saying that every text is influenced and contains traces of previous texts. Um, so it's saying you know, past works, sorry, current works are always influenced by the past and that always you know cycle, yes. Um, and to relate it to politics a little bit in our own world, you know, politicians all the time to conduct to explain their policies um, turn to stories, and they often turn to pop culture. Yeah. So, for example, many of you might remember that um, a few months ago Boris Johnson did um, a, a speech to the CBI where he referenced Peppa Pig quite yes. a lot. <laughs> um, so, and like. To, to the Iraq war, Dick Cheney was saying about, oh, we need to go to the quote-unquote fuck side to, to you know, get information out of these terrorists, but it's all in our know, national security, so it's all fine. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So those are various ways how culture can influence our politics. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you obviously, like, you,
0: you know a lot about politics, basically, and you're clearly a very big political enthusiast, basically, and you've obviously got... Done lots of sort of political commentating, for you know, in terms of writing opinion pieces, basically from for different websites that I've read, and they're really, really good, yeah. by the way, I should say. Um, yeah. Um, so, given we're talking a little about politics here, and it's not something we should always. I always hesitate as to talk about politics entirely because of the fact of how contentious it can be for some people, Basically, I think it can get very heated sometimes. But obviously, you know, it's it's really good to be able to have a really... Because it affects so much of our everyday lives Basically, in every single aspect of our lives, pretty much, really. Given we're talking about politics now, do you have a favourite political film? Um,
1: I think I, I really enjoyed... Um if we're talking like straight politics and like in terms of like a political biopic or drama, yeah, um, I did really enjoy, uh, I believe it was 2017's Churchill,
0: Churchill, um, yeah, Obviously, I seen
1: where Gary Oldman uh, oh. plays Churchill. Oh, was that Darkest Hour? Is that the one you were talking about? Darkest oh, Hour, yeah. Yeah, true. sorry, because I, I was
0: thinking that Church, there was another Churchill film. There was a film called Churchill that came out a year before, basically, and that they were like almost identical to one another, basically. But yeah, the, uh, Church, Gary Oldman as, as Winston Churchill was Darkest Hour, yeah, Darkest yeah.
1: That's the one that I meant, yeah. Yeah, so what? So you like that then? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I believe there's another, I guess it's not a political film in solely, it's more of like a, military history film um, Operation Mint Me coming out in April. Have you seen it by any chance? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm really looking
0: forward to that as well. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for that basically and We've, we've had quite a few sort of quite political films recently, and we had Don't Look Up, for example, basically, which yes. I, I actually hated Don't Look Up, basically, I, thought it, I just didn't find it funny at all, to be honest, and I just felt it lacked any kind of satirical sensibility in any kind of way. Um, but I didn't like Don't Look Up. I, I quite enjoyed Munich, at The Edge of War, which I know you've seen as well, yes. basically. So that was really, really good. Um, do you have a favourite performance as a politician in a political film?
1: uh i mean i really like gary oldman's performance in in churchill um yeah i mean costume i, I you know, just looking at the film you wouldn't really be able to tell that it's gary oldman because obviously i had to yeah you know dress him up and costume him <laughs> up uh, yeah. to be churchill absolutely um I mean Churchill's been played so
0: much across history, hasn't he? I yes. so many times. I mean, I think he's in Operation Mincemeat as well. Basically, there's a guy. Is is, yeah. Was that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, would just
1: that would it would make sense. Yeah, it I've, I've seen the you.
0: trailer and it looked like very much a Churchill Churchillian figure. You know. Yeah. In, um, in that basically and uh, yeah um but but yeah i mean gary oldman yeah he was absolutely terrific basically i i, I think it has been it's by far the most i mean I, I wasn't a big fan of the film but without question he he was absolutely terrific basically i mean it, yes. you know, it was complete transformation you, you would not recognize as gary oldman at all basically and i think that's what was so the, the greatest the best actors in my opinion are like chameleons you know they can completely change their entire appearance everything about themselves they just transform into other people and you forget you're watching yes. that so you think you're just watching the person that they're playing basically um so one question i did want to ask you because we're on the topic of politics now is what is the most conservative and most liberal franchise
1: you've seen uh liberal i think but look up okay. um like Its message was very – substitution of a meteor was very clearly a standing for climate change. Absolutely, And and that was – and the message of um, um, the politics were clearly meant to represent Trump or the divisiveness in America, often associated with Trump. and It was very much, you know, from, from, from a scientist's point of view of we're trying to tell you these things but you're just ignoring us
0: <laughs> yeah um, I, I know what you mean yeah um, you've got any ideas for conservative most conservative franchising seen?
1: um no um
0: do you not think james bond for example is very conservative <laughs> so,
1: yeah yeah i can see what that would be yeah and um, although are they sort of trying to Challenge that a bit. They right? are still,
0: definitely with the with the, and and I think more. I think to 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 the franchise's detriment, in my opinion, basically. Because I really didn't like No Time to Die, for example, basically because they just went too far away from the kind of what makes the character the character. Basically, I think with that film.
1: I I didn't like the the um oh, I forget her name. The, the 007 the replacement 007 because yes. she wasn't good. Yeah, she wasn't a good agent she let james's you said that she was for example tracking the um the bad guy
0: yes. then
1: the next couple of scenes the bad guy finds james bond yeah. and then kidnaps his wife <laughs> yeah so it's like you you're just an awful agent man um Absolutely. i feel yeah. like the the american agent in the earlier action like the first set piece he would that would have been much better yeah. Keep it with her because she was a much better actress. She was better, um, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, looked a lot cooler. Yeah. Um so yeah, and I feel like they did I think that the, the um the 007 was meant to challenge James Bond a bit. It was they didn't really go very far into it. They were just she was irritating um as well. I agree. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I don't think it worked there. Um yes, yeah, I do agree that it's a Yeah, contract. um
0: and you know, so we we've been talking basically about different uh, things that are your passion. obviously politics is one passion of yours. The other politics the, the other passion we've seen is superheroes, obviously. Um have yes. you seen The Batman, for example?
1: Yes, I have. Um and I I actually enjoyed it. Um, yeah. we well, mentioned is a split, bit of a split of opinion there we have a bit of a we have a big split of opinion there actually, <laughs> yeah
0: big big uh difference of opinion was I absolutely hated it to be honest I thought it was long boring incredibly dreary and depressing and uh just sucked any kind of misery out of me <laughs> and any kind of any kind of joy out of me sorry I should say mm-hmm. basically because it was just such a sort of downbeat experience <laughs> in a kind of way. Um, but we'll, we're, we're going to talk about this now, basically. But, yeah, just briefly, what is your opinion on uh, of Robert Pattinson as Batman in particular?
1: So I, I liked him as Batman, and he was Batman for the majority of the film. Like, there's very little Bruce Wayne in the film. Yeah. Um, so I liked his Batman. Yeah, he was... I like the fact that they stripped him down of all his technology. Um, you know, his Batmobile, for example, is very basic. He wasn't you know, caught calling in his weird technology drops. Um like like um, you know, an athletic Batman, his suit was very Iron Man-like. Oh right, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas this one, they've gone back to a more traditional. Uh, Batman, which I think, and it looks more flowy, and like moth-like. Yeah. Um, I like that, and I liked how the the batarang was in in his chest. Um, and he only used it once. Um, so I liked the the more stripped back version. Um, his Bruce Wayne. Was he just looked like a moody teenager <laughs> just hiding in his home, not refusing to inside the world? Um, you know, he was very he kept having the black around his eyes. Um, there was almost no differentiation between Bruce yeah. Wayne and Batman. Um, whereas, like in Dark Knight, there's a very clear distinction between this is Bruce Wayne and this is Batman, absolutely, yeah. Um, so
0: where do you think he ranks um against previous incarnations of Batman? Uh
1: so he's definitely better than the an Affleck uh, version Are of Rick. character. Yeah. Um <laughs> It, it doesn't beat Christopher Nolan's version, unfortunately. Yeah, I think. So you think Christian Bale elements- was better?
0: Christian did you, did you think Christian Bale was better, for example?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the. Uh, I think while there are elements that in this film, like the fact that they leaned into the setting of Gotham a lot more, um, and the setting of Gotham felt central to the plot. Yeah. Whereas in Dark Knight, for example, you could have switched gotham out for chicago or new well, york yeah
0: that, that was where it was filmed absolutely it looked yeah it, looked, it looks much more like the kind of gotham city you see in the comics where so we had a bit of a talk about this basically shortly before we start the podcast but yeah um it doesn't it looks much more like a comic book version of gotham than a kind of yes. substitute than the, what we saw in the dark knight films which we kind of got elements of that in batman begins actually you know we've got elements of a kind
1: yeah.
0: of of a kind of Futuristic kind of comic book style Gotham City, but when we get into the Dark Knight, like for example, the monorail in in Batman begins, basically, that was there, yeah, and that that made it look very, very sort of futuristic and very sort of, you know, Gotham esque. But they completely get rid of that when we go into the Dark Knight, basically, and it just looks very much like Chicago, for example, because that was obviously what it was, yeah, yeah, and it could be any city, any American city, for example,
1: yeah. Um, so I liked that, and I also. Liked, um, I should have mentioned this in the uh Robert Pattinson, they were almost leaned into the terror of Batman a lot more, yeah. Because if you think about it, Batman is really a terrifying character, oh, yeah, like he lurks in the shadows and yeah, he's sub sort of criminals, like, and the, the lighting played a lot into that. But I think you mentioned how you didn't like the lighting, it was a bit too dreary, yeah, it
0: was very dreary, <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing. Um, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, just briefly give us your thoughts on
0: the villains of the film.
1: So I really liked Riddler up to the point of the third act where he revealed he was going to blow up the bridges of Gotham because that made very little sense in, in terms of his whole plan um, of revealing Crooks. Gotham, uh, you know, the police, um, how corrupt it is. And then he suddenly blew it up because, well, he didn't really explain why he blew it up. Um, I feel that was more because the film was like, we need a third act battle sequence and this character doesn't give us an obvious one. Yeah. So I think that's where Riddler fell apart a little bit for me. Um, I really liked uh, Penguin um even like he was spread throughout the film and very was used very useful. The bit where he was um educating them on Spanish um, yeah. when he was captured <laughs> and then hobbling away, like, are you gonna let me go then? Um yeah. that bit was very funny. Um, so it did it, although it leaned very heavily into darkness, it did have those moments of, of comedy in it, yeah. Um I I hated the the Joker laugh tease thing, <laughs> yeah. J- Joker's Joker has been done so much, well, including uh, the Joker film, for example,
0: basically, yeah, wonder, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if we're ever going to see Whacking Phoenix come into this universe, even, <laughs> mostly, you know, because yeah, you
1: know, <laughs> it would work well together in terms of their tone tones. Yeah, I was, I was scared that when, when the was you know, introduced in this film I was like please don't let this be wacky for me. <laughs> that, that like, I want you know, Court of Owls would be a good villain I think Scarecrow um, would be a really good villain for this um, this Batman again like leaning yeah. into the fear aspect that's obviously Scarecrow's whole hour um, Court of Owls Mad Hatter as well would work like you know you've set up Gotham now being in this state of anarchy, yeah. Mad Hatter would work really well as someone who's gone completely insane because of the, the anarchy. Um but have another Joker was a bit tiring.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I completely got me. I I I didn't. I wasn't a fan of the Riddler. To be honest, I thought it was very disappointing. If I'm completely honest, um, but I I liked elements of what they were doing with the character specifically. I liked how they sort of portrayed him as kind of like an incel or a kind of loner, basically on the sort of fringes yeah. of society, basically. Because obviously that really links into a lot of the kind of politics of today. Basically, you know, when we see yeah. uh, you have these kind of alt right internet nerds, basically, you know, who, who, you know that, yeah. that that whole sort of right wing. T- Terrorism, basically, that we, we that that we that we've sort of become very attuned to, basically. You know, and there's that, there's this whole sort of culture, sort of incel culture, basically. And I think the 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 Riddler, very much, they were kind of trying to sort of make the Riddler out to be like that in many ways. The only thing I thought I thought he was massively underused, basically, and I just, he just wasn't intimidating in the slightest. I didn't feel scared of him. I didn't feel he was deranged enough in in yeah. in you know uh because like Heath Ledger you you know when he played the Joker for example even when Wacky Phoenix played a Joker you could tell how deranged that or how mentally psychotic they are basically you know unstable yeah. yeah whereas um with the Riddle, I just got the sense he was just a bit of a pathetic weak you know little man basically. you know he just <laughs> didn't really have a sort of he wasn't, he, he didn't strike me as a kind of terrifying supervillain in any kind of way, basically. I thought the penguin as well was just sort of, he was just like this, he's just this, when he looks I mean, fair play to Colin Farrell basically, completely changed his appearance entirely basically, which was quite incredible. Links to
1: the point yeah. earlier about I was we saying back to chameleon. Absolutely yeah, but I think he was,
0: again the character just felt very much like a political cartoon or a caricature in some kind of ways, basically. He just sort of had this kind of he was just, you know, with the nose and the kind of, you know, and, and this kind of, you know, strange accent he had, basically, you know. Just felt yeah. It was. It just felt a little bit sort of on the nose for me, basically. And I and I thought Catwoman, personally, I, I thought was a massive letdown, to be honest, basically, because I just didn't think she had that kind of, she just wasn't sort of sultry and, and, and sort of, you know, kind of, seductive and sort of cool enough basically to be Catwoman I thought basically in that sense basically she didn't have that kind of Michelle Pfeiffer for example I think is the definitive Catwoman she absolutely perfected everything about what Catwoman was like in the comics for example which is being you know she's sexy she's cool you know she's absolutely she flirts with Batman she's absolutely that you know, she she's like she's essentially a female version of Batman, basically. You know, they they're absolutely yeah. at equal levels of each other, basically, in terms of intellect, in terms of sort of fighting skills and everything. This, I just I just thought Zoe Kravitz was just, I mean, she's for one thing, she did not have a mask, for example, basically, you know, massive, you know, she which, yeah. which it was her the Her appearance, you know, she didn't look like Catwoman in terms of her sort yeah. of you know, whole vibe. I mean, I I thought. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely had that kind of sultriness and that sexiness. Basically, we we all sort of envisioned Catwoman. Catwoman as being like Anne Hathaway had elements to that. I think even Halle Berry, for example, in that absolutely terrible Catwoman movie from two thousand and four, for example, had elements of that. But I think Zoe Corretz just she just didn't cut it, in my opinion. Uh,
1: yeah, I think there's something missing. I think they, they missed something with Catwoman because they didn't they didn't sort of. Find the relationship with the, the girl that goes missing, yeah. Um, didn't say, Well, is she a sister or is she a, a lover? Potentially, um, I mean, is that decision that you're making, Catwoman? Um, which is fair enough if it is, but it sort of didn't, there wasn't that decision made, yeah. So, there was something, something missing. Um, yeah, I think the, the costume for Catwoman was disappointing in the fact that, yeah, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, a bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a bag over her head with a horse out. Yeah, um, and I also the, the chemistry that she had with Batman, like when she kissed him, and I was like, uh, this this doesn't yeah. feel. Oh,
0: absolutely. Right. There was there, there was no kind of sexual tension there in any way, which is absolutely yeah. what we kind of want go for to a to a Batman movie to see between Batman and Catwoman. is that kind of tension between them. There's always that sort of sparring off each other with words and they're sort of very much. Yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, I, I I didn't get any chemistry from them at all, to be honest. Basically, I was also very very disappointed with Robert Pattinson as Batman. I should say, basically, I I, I thought it was a huge letdown. Basically, I, I thought he was, I, especially as an actor, who's, he's improved so much over the years. Basically, ever since he played Edward Cullen, obviously in Twilight, basically, in which I thought he was just a wooden pretty boy, basically, you know. Batman. Yeah, I think, and then he's, he's been so great though recently in movies like Good Time and Tenet, for example. Basically, you know, and, and but I think that this was a kind of return to the kind of wooden pretty boy, uh, you know, persona that he kind of perfect, you know, that he sort of adopted really in in, in, in his early in his career in, in Harry Potter and the Twilight movies, for example, basically. Um, so next question I wanted to go into basically is um, I'm going to give a bit of background to this question specifically because uh, I think the TV show Luther, the BBC TV series Luther has a lot of similarities with, Uh, with Batman as a character, basically. And even though those similarities haven't been confirmed by the creator, Neil Cross, basically, he's often... If you look at online forums, there's often a lot of talk, really, about luther basically being essentially a a live action version of batman without the cape and cowl essentially um so luther is basically this sort of police drama about uh mentally unstable detective working in london and london is very sort of gotham city like in terms of its sort of cinematography and sort of seediness the villains are very very sort of batman-esque basically in many ways um because they're, they're they're these kind of really deranged, psychotic, kind of quite over-the-top sort of serial killers, you know, that could very much easily walk out. You could imagine in a batonville. And centrally, what you have is this sort of yin and yang, strange, sexually tense relationship between the main cop, Luther, played by Idris Elba, and this character, the, the this female serial killer called Alice Morgan, who's played by Ruth Wilson, played brilliantly by Ruth Wilson, I should say, who comes to my next question, actually. Um, but. Have you seen the TV show Luther, and do you see the comparisons with Batman at all?
1: So yes, I have seen. I've seen the first episode of Luther. Um, yes, I absolutely do see the comparisons uh, right from the first episode. Uh, sorry, the first scene um, in when Luther's hanging this. Uh, well, he's first chasing him down, and like the way that it's shot is very much like not showing. Yeah. Only showing his eyes. Um that reminded me a lot of Batman. And also then the fact that he was essentially he was torturing the guy. Yeah. Um and that was that's a very Batman uh, method, like um especially in like Black Knight where he tortures Falcon when he tortures Falcone and like throws him off the roof. That that sort of was reminiscent of here, where he was. Orcharding to do for the location of, of the, the girl, and then you know, didn't save him at the end. It's like, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I'm not one that killed you, but I don't have to save you either. Oh, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about
0: it, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that's obviously basically, that's very, very similar to what happened in Batman Begins. Again, spoiler alert, yeah. you know, switch off if you don't want to haven't seen Batman Begins, but there's obviously the scene in Batman Begins in which. Um, Batman lets Ra's al Ghul die for example basically but yeah when I think there is a lot of similarities specifically in the character of Luther is a very sort of Batman Bruce Wayne character he's quite a tortured character he's very sort of yeah. gruff very grisly very sort of quite um, you know he's, he's essentially and he's this huge kind of he he, he's, he almost you know he, he has that kind of physicality basically that you would expect from a Batman character and he has the kind of mental state as well of being having anger issues being basically being yes. um, you know <laughs> mentally unstable in that sense um, yeah so and and uh, at the core of Luther basically what we have is this kind of almost kind of cat and mouse relationship basically this sort of sexually tense relationship we have between uh igra luther and Bruce wilson as alice alice morgan basically plays this uh serial killer basically and i've always thought the alice character is a kind of mix essentially of the joker and catwoman in many ways basically she has that kind of sort of uh you know she, she's kind of he's equal in terms of you know in, she, she's quite deranged basically and, and and psychotic very much like the joker and she's very much his luther's equal when it comes to intellect um, but she's also you know very sort of sultry and sexy and sort of flirtatious basically in a way that we kind of come to expect from Catwoman for example and they have this kind of sexually tense relationship basically going on um so one one question I did want to ask because I I, I was like I was very disappointed with with Zoe Krevitz as Catwoman I thought she was a complete real letdown to be honest basically I thought um and I kept on thinking, wouldn't Ruth Wilson just be a great catwoman, basically, you know, because Ruth Wilson, who plays Alice, basically, I think, you know, she really, really perfects essentially a catwoman-esque character without wearing the costume in Luther. So do you think Ruth Wilson, who plays Alice Morgan in Luther, would be a good
1: catwoman? Uh, uh yes, yes. So you mentioned as well, those measure the, the chaos, chaoticness of the Joker. Yeah. Um also, and, and equal to Luke, uh, Luther's intellect, kind of like Riddler. She's almost like a Riddler, Joker, Catwoman. Yeah, mix. absolutely, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that, and even even from the first episode, um, you get that sort of, I'm going to catch you out, but I don't, I don't know how yet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so, yeah, I think she could very easily walk... <laughs> off the set of Luca Luther into Batman and oh, absolutely. yeah I think yeah. would she work better as a villain though or do you, would you prefer just to see her as as a Catwoman well
0: I mean th- that's the thing I don't really massively want to spoil it basically because you've only seen the first episode for example but it there's, there's a lot goes on basically Um, I should say you know she plays a very big role in the series But I don't want to give. I hope I'm not giving away too many spoilers there but yeah um, uh. that kind of relationship is very much an integral part of the show basically it's a very kind of Joker-esque, Catwoman-esque type relationship like the Riddler you said basically you know in terms of her kind of intellects basically yeah um but kieran thank you so much basically for coming on uh this podcast basically i really really enjoyed this whole discussion um you brought some really really good points um you know and, 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 and you know on on so many things we've, we've talked about so much basically in, in in less than an hour as well basically you know that we've been on here basically and and we and i was i was i was wondering how are we going to get all that we wanted to talk back into this one podcast basically you know but this worked brilliantly i think
1: yeah thank you for having me on i I really enjoyed it as well
0: yes um well thank you very much yeah you've been you've been a terrific guest and uh so this is roshan chandy here i'm just uh signing out now basically um this is the end of my first episode of chandy culture which is my new podcast uh, it's going to be a monthly podcast every month tune in uh towards the end of the month usually it will be run basically um and it's going to be available on most uh streaming platforms uh, you know subscription streaming music streaming platforms, so Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Google Podcasts, for example, basically. Um, And it's just going to be a show where I let the guests do the talking and they can talk about a topic really of their choice. And, you know, and, and it's very much going to be that exactly the kind of conversation that viewers have when they leave the cinema with each other, basically discussing the film on the bus home, for example, And that's really, really what I want to get at. And that's what I think this has been absolutely terrific with Kieran, basically to sort of get that kind of, you know, that kind of chemistry and that kind of sort of, and that kind of, you know, after movie discussion, basically, because that's absolutely what I want the show to be about. So this is Roshan Chandi and I will see you next time. Thank you.